Good morning to the first episode of our podcast in 2021 at uh, 9 a.m. local time. And um, I think it is the earliest recording I have ever had since I started the podcast. Astrid, can you remember um, a recording that was before before 9 a.m.? Um, not really, not at this time zone. So it's, it's quite early, but it's okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do they say in English? Uh, isn't it, uh, the early bird, uh, catches the worm. Catches the worm. Yeah. And uh, I think there are a lot of iterations <laughs> where some people are not so happy. Uh, but, uh, I think 9am is a very, very good, uh, start into the day. And, um, we had our last recording shortly before Christmas. Uh, it was a review of uh, 2020. So what happened in 2020? We had uh, many speakers from our past recordings. Uh, but I think we missed one of the most important topics for entrepreneurs. Uh, it's the tech situation. And I think it doesn't matter where you found the company. One of the most important things is to understand how the tech system works. On one hand, it can be beneficial for companies. And on the other hand, it's also good to understand which pitfalls to avoid. And uh, perfect start into the year with the text topic. And I'm very happy today to have one of our sponsors in this podcast episode. It's uh, KPMG Austria. And KPMG supported the Life Science Get-Together since its beginning in 2017. Uh, we had our partner meetings at the premises of KPMG. We had last year our first, uh, let's say, text update in real life. It was a very, very pleasant meeting with more than 100 guests at uh, the premises of KPMG. And I'm very happy today to also have uh, our colleagues here from KPMG Austria. Uh, welcome to the show, Michael Klebern and Oliver Mavia. Yeah. Good morning. Hello. Thanks morning. for having us. Good to see you. Good to see you <laughs> as, uh, as early as it can be. Um, happy New Year too. <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, to us. About Happy New Year, how was your New Year's Eve, Michael? What did you do? Um, not so much this year. <laughs> 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 Or a completely different, a different story than, than the previous years. Mm -hmm. Normally, I used to stay with um, the family of my wife at the... Yeah, in Bulgaria, at the seaside, and um, this year it was in Vienna. Um, celebrated in a, in a very small <laughs> um, arrangement with the family, but it was nice. It was calm. Um, yeah, it was different, but it was okay. So, 2020 was different, and it also ended differently than. <laughs> All the other years before. That's for sure. Oliver, what did you do New Year's yeah. Eve? Our Christmas holidays as well as uh, New Year's Eve were relatively calm. Yeah. Uh, the problem was um, a new lockdown um, beginning of uh, the 26th of December. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were at, um, uh, at the home of uh, the family of my wife. Uh, they are located in uh, Salzburg in St. Johann in Bongau. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was a pleasure to be there uh, on the countryside. Yeah. Um, especially because I've also, I have a, a small daughter. Yeah. 
she's uh, two and a half years old, yeah. And yeah, it was the, the first Christmas, uh, which was uh, very nice for her, yeah, because she now realizes uh, everything, yeah, realizes everything. Um, but yeah, it was so calm because we all know why. The nasty word <laughs> starts with C, yeah. Um, yeah, and also, also, also New Year's Eve was something a little bit different this year, yeah. Um, yeah, I, li I like this. Uh, the little word that starts this nasty word that starts with C. <laughs> Astrid, how was how was how was your how were how were your holidays? <laughs> uh, not too bad. I mean, usually filled with work in any event because we're really busy at our fund at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, we actually had an alternative to lead uh, melting, you know, this uh, tradition in Austria where you basically let melt. This time we had uh, wax. We melted wax and actually looked at all the figures that you know and uh, where you can cast um, or sort of interpret something into it and how the future could be. So it's a fun thing, especially with kids. And it, 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 it theoretically told us that 2021 should be better than 2020. So let's see about that. <laughs> mm. uh, definitely, it will be better. That's already, I mean, at least at the stock market, it started very well. So a huge gains. Oh, yeah. Also the crypto markets. Mm. So we are obviously very happy because we're investing in blockchain and tokens mm. uh, fund. So um, uh, we've seen this high of Bitcoin that basically also uh, went through all the other different coins that are out there. So it looks like a very exciting year. So we'll see how, you know, regulation will also pan out this year and increased adoption in this field. I'm really looking forward to that this year. Yeah, me too. I enjoy the, the run of Bitcoin and I think it's a good hook point uh, to get back to the tax uh, consequences of investments and running businesses. Uh, let's do a little recap at the beginning of 2020. It was an extraordinary year. And uh, I think we have today the opportunity to talk with Michael and Oliver, who oversee in their roles uh, the entire Austrian economy, uh, to hear a little bit more about their perception of 2020. Well, let me introduce first myself a little mm. bit and what I'm doing. I think that's good. I'm My home base is audit. So that's where I started from 20 years ago. And I'm doing that for yeah, these 20 years and, and that the benefit of doing that audit is that you get into touch with different companies, different um, yeah, types of business. And, and, and so you, you have a pretty good overview about what happened. So um, in 2020, what, what, what I observed was... Um, It was a pretty good start in 2020, even with our with our event in February. Everything was uh, quite well on track, and um, our mo main concern was back then um, if the hurricane which came across from Western Europe mm -hmm. will also affect the, the the event. And nobody talked so much about COVID because it was so far away. And and suddenly in March the situation changed completely, and I found myself in home office, which um, I didn't experience in, in in the past. It was completely new to me that, that I spent most of the time at home um, in combination with the whole family. <laughs> and and I think that situation 
is, is something that, that most of us experienced during these days, that suddenly the normal way of, of uh, business life changed mm -hmm. and we had to rearrange it from back home. And um, Now, this was one definitely one of the remarkable yeah. points in 2020 that we saw a huge shift to home offices. Um, I'm quite familiar with working from home in, uh, as a consultant in the life science industry, but I think for many companies, uh, it changed tremendously. Oliver, how was it mm -hmm. for you? I mean, it, it looks very nice at your home, so it's uh, <laughs> very cozy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, we moved uh, to the um, suburbs of, of Vienna. Um, um, so yeah, um, it was very challenging, but now I'm, um, I'm, yeah, because it's cozy. Now I'm uh, more fine with that, that I'm in, in home office. Yeah. Like, like, uh, some words, uh, to, to my profession here at, at KPMG. So, mm -hmm. um, um, maybe I can also, uh, give you some touch points, which, um, We will discuss later. Um, so I'm um, a tax advisor and, and senior tax manager at KPMG, and um, uh, I'm a certified tax advisor and, and um, mainly focusing on international and national tax law. But uh, in the last uh, years, um, I've also focusing on um, uh, SMEs. Uh, especially startups uh, um, and also digital transformation in the accounting and bookkeeping uh, sector. And also um, like big part of my uh, focus is also uh, funding. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, tax uh, or D premium, we will discuss later mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, national uh, fundings and EU fundings. And now in the last uh, months, um, unfortunately also the COVID-19 uh, aids uh, and, and, and fundings. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that was, um, very, very important. Uh, uh, well, uh, let's start with that. Like, because, um, Michael Kevan also said, yeah, the, the working world has changed, mm -hmm. I think, a little bit because we were obliged now to work from home. Yeah. Um, some of us uh, lost their job, uh, and, and have to work on short, uh, time work. Um, so the companies had also to uh, reshape their processes mm -hmm. and, and, uh, the crisis was a catalyst for the digital transformation. So to say, um, for instance, now we, we use, uh, video conferencing solutions like zoom. I think it's especially, uh, these, uh, tech companies profited from these circumstances on the other hand. Yeah. So on the one hand side, there were challenging times for some companies, but on the other hand side, there, uh, there, there are like, uh, branches, they are, they profit, uh, of, of the crisis. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. I mean, when you look on the stock market, uh, which companies are soaring, it's yeah. definitely the digital part. Um, I mean, we have with you two tax experts and uh, mm -hmm. there was one point in the last year I always wondered about mm -hmm. this home office movement. Uh, when I remember the times before 2020, the tax authorities seemed to be, let's say, very uh, rigid in accepting uh, a lot of digital stuff uh, as expenses for employees. For example, a computer, you can use it privately, so there is no reason to use it professionally. Mm -hmm. Also headsets, you can use it for gaming or microphones yeah. uh, for 
Twitch, for example, it's uh, also for pleasure. But now with the home office movement, uh, many people had to invest a tremendous amount of money to brush up their equipment uh, to laptops, to computers, uh, to cameras and stuff like that. Uh, how does the tax authority see investments from private people and from small companies um, into such uh, such assets? Did anything change or is it still the same that you can't, can't, can't use it? It's tax deductible. Um, now, at the moment, it's um, quite the same, yeah. But I think in the next years, uh, when um, um, you have to invest more uh, mm -hmm. into the infrastructure at home and it's not paid by your employer, uh, for instance, I think they have to amend uh, on the one hand side uh, the, the regulations um, uh, with um, new laws, maybe also there's also the discussion if uh, homeworking should be a right uh, for an employee, mm -hmm. for instance, mm -hmm. then there have to be like uh, some uh, also like um, easements uh, to deduct uh, this kind of uh, um, investments um, um, which, which you, you made to, to work at home. Yeah. Um, Uh, but now it's the same, but I think there, there will be changes also like the so-called, um, Arbeitszimmer, yeah, mm. um, at home, yeah, uh, to, to work at home. Uh, there were very strict regulations that only certain, uh, types, uh, uh, of, um, yeah, technicians, uh, or, or like, uh, writers, etc. yeah. Uh, or when you have like an, 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 an office um, um, as a um, uh, doctor uh, or lawyer, etc. Et then you could deduct it. Otherwise, not. But I think that it will it will change. But uh, the laws and regulation have to be amended for that. Yeah. But I expect mm -hmm. that there will be amendments. Yeah. And hopefully, I think hope home office uh, is one of the movements that will stay. And uh, when I look at the money which needs to be invested, we are talking about several thousand euros. Uh, so it's for private people and for employees, it's no small amount. Lastly, there were, there were like fundings for uh, home uh, office investments. Uh, oh, really? For instance, uh, by the Wirtschaftsagentur, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, uh, there were like a home office uh, uh, funding, yeah. But um, it's it's uh, maxed out. Oh, that's a pity. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pity. I didn't know about it. Are there any other funding instruments currently available? Uh, What 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 the change on that side in 2020? Yeah, also that's that's I think the 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 other like um, development we, we we saw yeah because the several lockdowns resulted um, also in a massive shortage of turnover and losses mm -hmm. for the companies. Mm -hmm. um, thus, the the government had to take various measures and introduce several instruments to help uh, Austrian companies uh, companies to withstand the crisis. Um, in the beginning, we recognized uh, that the application for these measures were very complex. I mm -hmm. think Michael Kevan could also say some words about that then uh, afterwards. Um, and also we ob observed that uh, it took often very long to get the funding. Yeah? Uh, or worse, we were not able to apply for certain grants uh, because of exceptions or uh, um, so with the second lockdown, um, unfortunately, the second lockdown in, in December, the Austrian government launched instruments which were easier to handle. Uh, for instance, the lockdown 
uh, turnover compensation or the, the investment premium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that could be very interesting also for the tech and life science uh, um, sector. I think we will uh, talk about that. We will talk about it. Yeah. More detail. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one, one thing to say, uh, at, at, uh um, on the downside, uh, because on the, on the other hand side, there's the danger of overcompensation or uh, defunding of companies, which were already uh, companies in difficulties before the crisis. Mm -hmm. um, so it's also very interesting to see uh, what will be the case when all these fundings and aids are maxed out and the companies uh, have to pay back, especially for instance, the governmental uh, guarantee loans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that could be a big problem because there will be a wave of bankruptcies. And then there will be the question who will pay the bill. So the discussion of new taxes after the crisis, especially with regard to taxes for high net worth individuals, <laughs> catch for inheritance tax, Erbschaftsteuer will heat up, I think. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we will see how that turns out from a tech side. Yeah, interesting points that you brought up. I mean, this uh, topic of zombie companies. Yeah, so, zombie companies. Yeah, I mean, I consult very hard to say. Yeah, <laughs> I cons I consult companies for decades now, and um, my opinion is that the first priority of an entrepreneur, founder, CEO should be to serve the customer. So. Um, with tremendous governmental support. It's a very special situation. Mm. I don't, I, I have no solution for that. I have no solution for that. Yeah. I just, the only thing I can say is focus on the customer and less on the government. So this is might help, uh, maybe Michael, Correct, what did, yeah. what did you observe in 2020? What changes, uh, did maybe, come? maybe one, one, um, one, one thought, um, to that, um, zombie companies and insolvency, um, rates. What we expect, uh, observe now is that insolvency rates are, lower than in previous years mm -hmm. so um, really that yeah yeah significantly because of the lower. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the percent problem lower. is just shifted probably mm -hmm. yeah, it's just um, shifted. Yeah. so yeah, it okay the, the, the funding helps helps companies to keep mm -hmm. a little bit longer alive than they would have been without mm -hmm. the covid um grants and and, and and funding instruments and and so it's it's um i would say quite quite obvious that there will be a wave of insolvencies after these fundings end and that will be a tremendous challenge. Mm. I'm sure because yeah, all the people suffering jobs getting lost. So that was something in 2020, 20, uh, 21, 22, which um, be maybe a, an additional wave to that, mm. to the COVID mm. crisis that, that um, the government has to handle. And then the question is, who will pay for that? Yeah. That's a good question. And, and I think the uncertainties, I think they also led to like the um, uh, new heights for for the crypto assets. Yeah, Like mm -hmm. maybe Bitcoins or, is the, or the Bitcoin is the new gold, for instance. Yeah. Uh, like very interesting how that turns out. Yeah. Uh, if the, the rise of Bitcoin is like, uh, uh, sustainable. Yeah. But I, I think, um, so, but you're the experts. I'm, I'm non-techy and I'm no hardcore investor, but I think, um, the crypto assets <laughs> are now more common to the public. Uh, mm -hmm. For instance, you can buy now 
crypto assets at the post office. Uh, and there are more and more trusted players in the community, uh, in the ecosystem, and also in Austria, like uh, Bitpanda. Um, mm. um, like they, they have like today trending topics um, had this article about um, uh, the, the token of Bitpanda best and so on. Yeah. Um, and Blockbit is also a, a very trusted player now with text reporting tools. I think all that and also the regulations uh, which um, uh, were introduced in the, in the last years um, after the uh, crypto winter, yeah, uh, because there are many frauds, uh, especially with regard to utility uh, token. Um, I think all that um, uh, will uh, lead to the uh, sustainable um, or that, that crypto um, or the digital assets are now more trusted to, to invest in. Yeah? Because also, I think institutional investors, I think Astrid, you could uh, could say something could, about that as well. Oh, yeah. Sure, I can. Astrid, it's Astrid, it's your play field. So, <laughs> so now, yeah, no, so now it's not no, my turn, sort of. So no, no, I need to say that. I mean, uh, technologically wise, I always keep saying that Bitcoin is yeah, it was sort of the first cryptocurrency. But I think if many of the other coins that are out there or tokens that have much better functionality would get mm. the attention that Bitcoin had then Bitcoin would actually soon be out of the top 10 and it would be overtaken by many others. Because, I mean, a sort of network confirmation around in Bitcoin takes enormously time. There is super limited functionality mm. on a smart contract level. So there is not much on the technological side that you said, like, you can definitely use it apart from maybe a sort of store of value, but we can discuss that topic independently for hours and hours, you know unit account, store value, and all that. Um, I think that uh, if you look from a technological point of view, and this is not investment advice, whatever I'm saying here, um, there are much better assets out there. I mean, mm. for example, uh, we have invested in Polkadot, which is also an interoperability uh, protocol where really all chains can then um, transact and uh, exchange data with each other. And um, we'll see, th this year will really be of, uh, the year of Polkadot and Kusama when the parachains were launched there. Um, I think that would be really interesting. And I think if these sort of assets get just the attention that Bitcoin would have, and I mean, I need to say I'm getting really bored of saying like, oh, Bitcoin got another high. Oh, Bitcoin uh, crashed, you know. I'm, I'm really yeah. super bored about these uh, lines because they don't mean anything. You know, there's mm -hmm. just no value tied to it. We're investing in value, right? So we want to see business models that actually work, the technology, mm. how it's really applied, you know, in real life and how it can actually help to um, support business, how to, uh, you know, create uh, a better life for people out there. Um, so we're really not, not at all interested. We, we follow it. Yes. It's sort of an indicator of things are going. And yes, there have been some uh, notable names that sort of bought up uh, Bitcoin last year. And then obviously, you know, this uh, created sort of this price rally now where also even retail investors got in. And I think this is always a dangerous point in markets, right? When actually sort of uh, people who don't know what they're doing um, actually suddenly get into a market without any knowledge. And the blockchain market or the crypto market is still uh, nowhere close to maturing. Uh, so you need to really focus full time on this uh, area to understand what is actually in there? What can theoretically even work and what can't work? 
So I'd be careful. So I'm, I'm really waiting for the next Bitcoin crash. But if not, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for everyone who makes money on it. But um, as I like, I, I, I don't see the point of it really, to be honest. It's a that's a good uh, good thing. I mean, Bitcoin, I think, got, has the legacy and gets the marketing exactly. and the attention, and there's a lot of. Uh, very unique and special storytelling evolving around Bitcoin. One story I read is Bitcoin can replace the dollar as reserve currency. Mm. So there are many interesting stories, but let's go back to the Austrian tax system. Um, especially when I think about the people, yeah. Um, buying Bitcoin and mm. one friend of mine said, uh, he went in at 400 and now I think it's about 40,000. So, uh, it's a tremendous uptake and he's happy to, to spend the money. Why is it smart to mm. tell this guy, go to a tax consultant like you uh, and get a little bit of advice? What is a tax consultant and what are auditors actually really doing in real life? Tax so. consultants, <laughs> question, Oliver, it's yours. Okay, okay, yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm into um, tax compliance. Um, it, I, yeah, you know, tax compliance, like accounting and, and so on. It's it's uh, not so sexy, but we are working uh, on that, that it's uh, getting more sexy, yeah. So, for instance, um, we um, introduced an accounting platform um, uh, for KPMG with our partner Abacus, yeah, for our clients, especially for our startup clients, um, which is part of our KPMG. Smart Start uh, compliance package for uh, uh, consulting package for reduced fee for innovative companies uh, because we would like uh, to also digital transform um, our like core activities yeah uh, like for instance sex compliance yeah um, so uh, what the do tool uh, does is that um, metaphorically speaking we can handle now the uh, digital shoebox. So, uh, like uh, in the past, uh, when one of our clients comes to us, uh, came to us and uh, said, "You have to do the accounting, booking, keeping for us." It could be that he he's uh, he came with a, a shoebox with all uh, the invoices in it, and then he said, "Okay, please um, drop the accounts." Yeah, uh, so that was uh, horrible for us as well as for the client. Uh, but now there are certain tools which can, can handle that because um, on the one hand side, you can easily upload or, or scan all the documents through various channels uh, um, to, to, to us in the accounting platform. And um, the, um, the AI, which we um, developed with our partner, uh, is a self-learning uh, software which recognize uh, these invoices and co could uh, draw up uh, the uh, booking entries, yeah, um, in in real time. Uh, what's what's the business ca case for us is that um, now with this AI we can uh, reduce our uh, working time for accounting uh, by fifty percent, and on the other hand side. There is an easement in the process for our clients, yeah, um, in the tax compliance um, field, because they can easily um, uh, transmit their documents and they can uh, have um, a talk uh, and very 
uh, actual reportings, yeah, like for instance, daily or weekly reportings. Why is that so important? Because um, especially now with uh, the COVID-19 crisis, yeah, um, many uh, companies uh, need their annual accounts uh, very uh, fast or in a timely manner, or they have to have their uh, KPIs in check, yeah, and then there is um, it's 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 good that you have like a partner like KPMG, with, which uh, can provide you with uh, these uh, solutions, yeah. On the other hand side, um, our accounting platform will be uh, developed further, so we are implementing like um, document workflow with. Uh, multi-stage document approval workflows or like a dashboard with, with especially cash KPIs to get, to get like real time information about, uh, the most important, uh, figure like the cash. Yeah. Now, uh, in the crisis and so on and so on. As a, uh, we, we, we are working on, uh, like, Uh, the tax compliance of the future, yeah, so that uh, our clients are happy and and we could also handle these um, tasks very efficient, yeah. So that would be the tax compliance side we are now working on, uh, and then there are like uh, so many special topics now because very interesting was that um, in the last year, um, especially in the startup uh, ecosystems, I think there were so many funding rounds, financing rounds, uh, like never before, yeah? Uh, because maybe also because of the crisis, uh, down rounds and so on. But I think also with, um, yeah, investing in, in promising companies, uh, which maybe are the winner of the crisis, or like uh, you have to make investments in companies um, to get some certain funds, like the COVID startup um, Hills Fund, uh, for instance. <laughs> so we we made uh, we, we 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 assisted uh, or consulted many companies uh, in the M and A and uh, in mergers and acquisitions and due diligences uh, um, and also going abroad. Yeah, uh, going international. Um, so we have also like. Um, um, Besides the tax compliance, also the special tax uh, inquiries, yeah, which we handle on a daily basis. Um, I also had an, an podcast with uh, Florian Kandler and Kunder Zünder podcast, I think in September. Uh, I think I, I call it taxes and fun stuff uh, uh, in my Beratungsalltag. Uh, so you can uh, get more insight in like also the fun stories uh, I had in my last 10 years of startup consultancy. They were like, uh, really, uh, awkward stories. Yeah. But also very cool, cool, uh, uh stories and, and success stories. So maybe, uh, you can, can also, um, get to know this, this when you when you send me a link to the episode i can reference it in the description okay. of the podcast okay uh, but perfect yeah. one, one one point to what you said uh about um the digitalization of mm -hmm. the tax consultants work i think it's a good thing i grew up in the 80s of the last century so in commercial school we practiced the old style paper driven <laughs> <laughs> uh bookkeeping work uh it was no fun i can tell you 
And uh, then slowly there was a digitalization wave. And uh, these days, when I look at accounting at uh, many offices, I think it's still in the 80s. So there is not much digital. When I think back at the companies we work with, we still have to scan ourselves with huge scanners, the uh, the invoices, uh, transfer them to the tech consultants. I think there is a lot of possibility to automate this, these processes. How is the, how is the status in the industry? Yeah. I think that's that's more a problem because um, now there's it's so trendy to uh, automate or mm. digitalization of the and the digit, digital yeah, yeah digitalize <laughs> thank you uh, all the processes but there are um, so many solutions for a small part of the processes mm. which um, every every company would like to have their own product yeah and. There's the problem with like the interoperability of yeah. all these solutions, yeah. So it's very hard to uh, have an end-to-end process which is fully automated and digitalized, yeah. Uh, so I think uh, it will will get better. Maybe mm-hmm. if then there is a, um, a standard like uh, also Industrie 4.0 mm-hmm. or like the integrating the healthcare enterprises EIA uh, standard, like. Um, which uh, combines all these solutions to a, uh, a one ecosystem, yeah, uh, which can fully operate, yeah, and is easy to handle, yeah. Now it's 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 the problem, yeah, so because you said also the tax uh, the tax advice it looks like in the eighties, but um, like <laughs> we are now in the in the uh, it's. I want to spark up the conversation. Witchcraft now with all the <laughs> tools and we have to mix it and blend it mm. uh, together. <laughs> the witchcraft, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's that's now the problem, but it, it's getting better. I think mm. uh, two, three years ago, uh, at the beginning, it was more problematic, yeah, because there were some companies also fake it till you make it, like with fake AI. So you trusted that, okay, that's like the... It's it fully automated automates the the bookkeeping, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the problem was the AI uh, only worked um, in, during the week, and on weekends the AI <laughs> uh, had uh, uh, its free time. Uh, or it it's, was it's 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 the union. The AI needs a weekend as well. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was the problem. It was uh, only manual, manual, uh, um, uh, whatever. Real people made mm. the automatization and digitalization. That that's the problem. But it's getting better. There there are solutions which we now uh, can rely on and trust on. For instance, our partner Abacus, yeah, it's a well-known partner of ours, and all and many um, tax consultants and companies uh, through uh, all, all of Europe and so on. It's getting better, yeah, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's the future for us. Yeah, uh, I think mm, there are certain processes nobody wants to do anymore. Yeah, uh, like the, the the bookkeeping, you have to more uh, be a consultant or like um, analyzer. Uh, of uh, the data material, yeah, um, uh, and 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 you have to uh, set up and handle the process more, yeah, um, than uh, and you are the controller more than you mm-hmm. now you do at the bookkeeper and so on, yeah. I think it transforms um, uh, more our work work field, yeah. 
And thinking about last year, I mean, because we we're speaking here about auditing again, when I mean, we had two really big scales, one international with Wirecard, the other one mm. was smaller in Austria, <laughs> but still, you know. So what's actually the appetite to, for auditors also to include technologies like blockchain that would avoid having sort of a fake book and uh, fake transactions in there? Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Michael, I think it's it's uh, your playground. That, that's true. That's my play, playground. Um, wow. Let, let me try to answer the question from a different starting point. Um, well, first, what, what, is, what is auditing about? Um, we are auditing the financial statements of a company and try to understand if the financial statements prepared are in accordance with a specific gap. And um, so we we take a focus on the balance sheet and try to understand and try to get information, appropriate, sufficient, appropriate audit documentation to understand if the assets are really existing, if the valuation is correctly done. And on the, on the credit side, we check if the liabilities are completely recognized and, and the P&L um, is also an important uh, figure to understand if, if, if um, the situation of the company and the activities of the company during the last year are correctly represented in the P&L and also in the cash flow statement. So that is a quite challenging and interesting task to, to check these figures and you have to have a pretty good and, and very well understanding of the business model of the company. And that is maybe one of the things that didn't work out so well in these scandals that you <laughs> mentioned. Um, so that, that is the main task and you, you also have to use your common sense a little bit. You have to use the, the brain, <laughs> your brain to, to, to understand the situation of the company. So that makes a lot of fun. You, you take a deep dive into the processes of, of companies. You talk a lot with people and that is something that changed in 2020. I'm doing that for 20 years, as I mentioned, and um, we always are at the client side. That's what we're doing. We're talking to a lot of people. It makes a lot of fun. You get a good understanding, no matter if these uh, guys are working uh, in the, I don't know, um, manufacturing or, or in, the, in the accounting department. So you have the broad overview of, of, of what's going on. And then you bring it together and you, you make your, your work and, and in the end you say, okay, um, the statements are correct. Give a true and fair view. 
or not. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And and when I started, we were carrying a lot of paper uh, with us in, in, in binders. So I think when you observed some people in the subway carrying a lot of bags, then it definitely was an auditor. <laughs> um, then it changed. Uh, I would say even even 15 years ago, we we impl implemented some data analytic tools because at the very beginning I received some a pile of papers and uh, I was told okay to check the figures, uh, which is um, hardly possible to do that. So, but with with the data analytical tools, you can run through this these figures, uh, use some routines, and you identify some specific items which are unexpected or not in line with your expectations. And so it started, and, and one of the um, good things, referring now to the crisis, is that we are mainly digitalized mm. now in our work, what we are doing. So all the, the files are uh, e-files, there is uh, no paper work that we have to carry around. Everything is on the computer. And that helped a lot to overcome the situation. And, and what, what, what I learned, what um, we learned is to use um, uh, video conference tools like Teams, like, like Zoom, like um, WebEx. We, we, we learned together with our clients to exchange documents, to, to check processes, even in a remote way, which we have never done before. And I was very skeptical at the beginning because, because um, sitting next to each other is, is a benefit. And, um, but it's, it's uh, possible. And uh, I experienced that also auditing in a lockdown situation is, it works out. Yeah. Um, if, if blockchain can help to overcome fraud, I, I I cannot answer that question. I just I just would say um, a fraud is always um, hard to identify. Mm. Um, there are some indications, and well, there are now <laughs> courts or prosecutors addressing the situation and checking what they did and what they mm. should have done, if it was appropriate or not. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, always a challenging task task. And it's, it's not the main purpose of an audit to identify fraud. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to address it. If we understand that there is fraud and we have to specifically ask and, and consider if there is a risk of fraud. Mm -hmm. So, but it's not an audit to identify fraud, yeah. which, which, which Yeah. Sorry, I think it's also very important to understand the business model of the company, and which which is reflected in the uh, statements. So, then blockchain would not help if you get the data and the, the data say maybe via uh, the blockchain it's correct, but maybe it's it is not reflecting the business model correctly, yeah, uh, or like would give a hint that there could be a fraud, yeah. Um, for instance, like Wirecard, I think um, the Washington Post or uh, I think or New York Times, I think Financial one of Times. 
Financial Times. Financial Times, uh, they they made an, an an article like a few years ago because they said, okay, these kind of figures they are too good to be true. Yeah, and then there were like uh, filings. Um, 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 of the company, so that they would like to, um, also the USA uh, would like to have like an influence on the stock market price of Wirecard via yeah. these articles and so on. And the auditor said, said, okay, yeah, um, that that must be it. And and and, and, and yeah, we 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 trust in. Uh, the business model uh, of Wirecard and and and, and they are the other tech companies and so on, uh, but um, when you don't you do not understand the uh, business model correctly, uh, or yeah, yeah, then then I think you, you cannot. Uh, the conclusions are wrong. That's uh, if you don't understand wrong, yeah. then the business model, then you will always. Face the risk of of, of um, making a wrong statement, and that's that's uh, one of the main challenging mm. tasks of of our profession. And um, I mean, when I, I mean, when yeah. I when I when I think about, I mean, I'm coming from the executive side, and uh, with CFOs, CFO in many companies, from startup to multinationals to huge corporations. Um, in the special Wirecard case, uh, let's say it was very challenging for an external analyst to identify the fraud. Um, my, my fallback position when I was in doubt of a company was always the cash position, because this is what I learned. <laughs> It's challenging to fake the cash position. Uh, why? Because you get bank statements and banks, uh, the trusted parties. Then you have the auditors who, who review the statements and Wirecard did the impossible. So they really faked, uh, The bank position. How did did it? Also, Commercial Bank. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, and that's that's actually the. the, Yeah, that's that's a little bit of. uh, I mean, when 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 I come from the executive side to to close the loop to the auditing role, um, I always get the question: What do you want us to do? And my answer is always the same. It doesn't matter if I'm a CFO in a small startup or a CFO in a in a multinational company. It's always the same: Be my enemy. Uh, you need to identify the things that I overlook. You need to challenge me. Uh, it's quite simple in a small company. So life science, for example, I mean, usually the auditing talks are more updates on the situation, what we should be aware of. But it's more critical in multinational companies because when you have to overlook thousands of contracts, thousands of employees, uh, no executive can really dig that deep into every single detail. So they really need the auditors. And my recommendation for the executives in the life science industry is when you engage auditors, make them your enemy. They need to make you aware of things that you are not aware of if you want to run the business smoothly, because if they don't do it, other people will do it. And most likely when you overlook something critical, the other people outside the audit process will not be very nice. (laughs) So... Is my recommendation. How do you see the audit role, Michael? Uh, <laughs> I don't consider myself as as an enemy <laughs> um, of of the client. Mm. I see myself as um, as a person who has the benefit to look on the situation from outside, and and what we have to formulate our expectations 
And these expectations I can only formulate if I am coming back, understand the business model and what's going on in that company. Yeah. And if you if you create uh, an expectation, then you can compare it with the reality mm. or with the thing that is shown in the statements and you can identify differences. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the that's the challenge and that's the task. And 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 when you're doing that, you always have a Q&A session with the client because your expectations are maybe differently uh, different to to what they they uh, did and what they show. Mm -hmm. And and so that's that's a a process. And at the end of the process, you have to be able to conclude that you obtained, we call it, sufficient appropriate audit evidence mm -hmm. to make a statement. And that's that's uh, the challenge. And it depends upon the risk you identified. So you have to understand the, the processes, the internal control system. That's quite a lot that you <clears throat> should do. And if we fail auditing some simple stuff like cash, statements then it's then it's a pity yeah because um that that is that is the basic and if we're following the the rules and what we what we should do then it's hardly impossible that something like that happens i mean Especially this is to fake cash positions are like there are certain yes, rules yes, you have yes. to follow so, and, and it would not be so easy to to, to yeah, but, but as, it's, it's, as, as I said, it's it's um, obviously a fraud case, and unfortunately, in the past there were there was a, a huge variety of these these cases where people were faking some cash positions. I mean, the, when I look at the Wirecard case, I think it's not for us to judge. It's it's the court's job, so they will have exactly. to investigate and exactly. we'll have to look. But uh, my recommendation is for executives um, and maybe also for auditors. I mean, when you see bank statements that are a significant portion of the total assets of a company, like two thirds, uh, maybe it makes sense to board the plane, fly to the bank and have an interview with uh, the people working at the bank directly. Um, but let's go back to the processes uh, that are currently running. You mentioned already audit processes and uh, tax consultancy processes. I think at the beginning of the year, we are in the midst of kicking off uh, annual reports and uh, annual audits. Is in 2020, due to the corona situation, anything special happening that the company should be aware of? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Yeah, the answer is yes. There is uh, <laughs> a, a lot of routines that we had in the past mm -hmm. changed. And that is um, due to the COVID-19 grants that 
governments are giving to the companies. So one of the issues that that's changed 2020 is that we will see a lot of receivables mm -hmm. of fundings that are expected. There is um, there is a paper of Afrag which um, deals with that issue about it. It's, it's an um, uh, it's called Fachinformation about COVID-19 and the implications of COVID-19 to the audit, to the accounting. And it, it deals with questions, okay, when can I recognize the receivable of a, a grant that I expect to receive? Uh, what, what shall I do? How shall I recognize it? So that will change the accounting. And, and also the, the grants received or the, the, the subsidies received for short-time work the presentation, that will be something that we have not seen in the past, but we will see in, in that year. Um, so the presentation is also an important issue. And of course, um, something that that popped up already in the 2019 files was the question mm. of um, will companies be able to continue as a going concern? Mm -hmm. And that is one of the tough questions to be answered by an executive and also by the auditor. Mm. Will I be able? And um, well, there are some, some segments, some industries which are heavily impacted, tourism, event organizers, for example. My experience is that um, when we're talking about life science companies, for pharmaceutical companies, I didn't experience such a huge change. Okay, they they they, they switched to to home office, but uh, also my experience is that they were pretty well prepared for that because of multinational companies mainly. So they are used to to talk and to discuss issues uh, via video calls or some other tools. So. The impact to pharmaceuticals is, is not that much. What I saw a little bit in the biotech business was that, and that's a little bit contrary to what you mentioned, Oliver, uh, when they were looking for additional fundings, the process was delayed because uh, the shutdown was worldwide. So all these negotiations and due diligence processes that were set up were stopped. And I observed some, some significant delays, um, mm. especially when that was uh, funding, which yeah, was abroad or maybe in Asia where the shutdown was uh, yeah, significantly harder than in, in, in Europe. So that brought some, some delays. And of course, also COVID brought a huge boost to all companies which are working on, on, on SARS or similar viruses or vaccines. So, so um, yeah, a quite broad variety of obs observations in the life science business. And yeah, and, and a lot of used the, the short time work. 
I mean, I, th I think the life science business um, benefited from the situation. On one hand, they got more grants for COVID-related research, which is a good thing because we saw a vaccine coming to the market on emergency use uh, within nine months, which is uh, astonishing. Amazing. It's amazing. It's really yeah. amazing. I didn't expect um, that, to be honest. No, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. But it but it really it really showed and proved what the industry can do when money is not an issue. So was I, what I'm hoping is that mm -hmm. uh, we take this philanthropic spirit with us also for other diseases that are that are really burdens. And uh, money is the issue in the industry. So I think there will be something changing. Uh, when I look uh, for the smaller companies that are currently here in Austria, Oliver, I would uh, like <laughs> to ask you a question. Uh, I mean, we were talking about this Corona crisis, about these bankruptcy cases. Uh, I can also imagine that for the smaller companies, it might be hard sometimes to draw up balance sheets in time. Are there any 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 deadlines that we should be aware of? Is there anything uh, happening right now um, that companies can benefit from? Mm -hmm. So last year, um, like the um, deadline uh, for uh, submitting the Uh, annual statements uh, to the uh, commercial register uh, was uh, extended because usually, uh, for instance, uh, when you have the um, balance sheet date um, end of December 2019, you have to submit the uh, um, statements to the commercial register um, until the end of September 2020. Yeah? Uh, but, but because of the COVID-19 crisis, uh, these, uh, this um, deadline was um, um, extended to end of the year 2020. And um, a few companies uh, um, and a few clients also um, yeah, uh, submitted these statements um, Uh, at the end of last year, because it, uh, they had more other stuff to do here because they have to withstand the crisis. Yeah. So I hope maybe, um, next year it, it will be also extended again. Yeah. But um, now it was, um, temporarily, uh, yeah, we have to look if, if it's, um, it's now on a regular basis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but on the tech side, maybe to 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 uh, because of the fundings and how to uh, to to uh, include them uh, in the uh, tax declarations 2020. Maybe it's also uh, interesting. Sure. This would yeah. be this this would be the next point. I'm curious because you mentioned it at the beginning that there are some special grants and uh, mm -hmm. tax deduction instruments, tax breaks. Uh, what should we know about it? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, You have to. Also I have to say that or admit that um, um, most of these fundings are gra and grants which are not repayable, uh, which would mm -hmm. be an uh, income. Yeah, um, have to be uh, taxable. Yeah, because that's like an EU regulation. Yeah, so it, it have to be uh, taxed with corporate income tax when you have. A profit, yeah, could be that you have a, a loss, but then uh, your losses you can uh, uh, carry forward would be reduced, yeah, uh, because on the one hand side it would be um, tax free, but the um, for instance the expenses uh, which are connected to these uh, fundings uh, are not deductible. Mm -hmm. So um, as a consequence, these fundings would be 
taxable. Yeah, uh, there are a few um, cases where it's not the case. For instance, the investment premium. Yeah, um, you get a cashback premium of um, seven or fourteen percent, especially in the life science and uh, digitalization uh, uh, sector. You can get up to 14% of a cashback premium, yeah? And 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, Uh, depreciation of these assets, yeah. So that would be the loan example uh, where it's uh, tax-free. But uh, otherwise, these grants are uh, have to be taxed for corporate income taxes. Yeah. Did I did I get it right that the public grants that the companies achieved during the Corona crisis are taxable? So at the end of the mm -hmm. year, there's a huge question about accruing these grants. Is that is that the correct understanding? Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders Drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. Yeah, you have to include it uh, in the tech space. Yeah. Mm, okay. uh, uh, so that's, yeah, the downside. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks that they are tax-free for corporate income tax, but you mm -hmm. cannot deduct the expenses, for instance, with the fixed cost and socials, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, and so they have to be included in the tax base or reduce your um, losses you could uh, carry forward, yeah? Mm -hmm. That's good to know. You mentioned also uh, the research tax premium. Uh, maybe we can dig a little bit more into that because it's a speciality in Austria mm. that uh, from my experience, I know uh, sometimes it's uh, challenging to explain to investors who are not in Austria. Can we do a little bit of a theoretical uh, review and overview of that instrument? Of course. Um, Oliver, you, me? Yeah, I think yeah. Okay, uh, it's shoot more... on and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Shoot on, yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, I think um, let's let's start with one comment that was announced yesterday or the day before um, by um, yeah that that uh, the the research premium was used in 2020 or there were requests for the research premium in the by more than 9,700 mm. times, which was is the absolute high of all the years and and research premiums in the amount of one billion or more than one billion was paid in 2020 so i just have also the figures for the previous years and I th in in 2018 for example the figures were 800 millions so um 
there is a, a huge increase in the demand of, of the research premium. The reason is, I think, that you receive 14% of funding for your R&D work or experimental development if it's in-house and there is no limitation and the benefit is that you you get the money in cash so even if you're a loss-making company it doesn't matter you get the money and that is from my point of view one of the main advantages and also that if it's in-house research work there's no limitation of course it has to be done in austria that is one of the requirements and and uh, yeah there are two two main streams that you have to follow and to consider one is you have to file a document to the ffg and the FFG is pre, uh, performing some kind of appraisal, sending a report, analyzing your R&D work that you have documented into the in that paper, and um, approving it. And once you have the approval, then you also get the money from the government, or then it's forwarded to the to the finance authority, financial authorities, and 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 you get that approval. So that's um, very important that in that document where you have to file your R&D work, you are very precise in describing your R&D activities. The main challenge is that it's in German. You have to write it in German. There is also a limitation of characters that you can use for each project, 3,000. And you have to provide all the significant information within these 3,000 mm -hmm. characters. Uh, it should be clear what you're doing, that it's a scientific approach. The method has to be described, the content of your R&D work, why it's a novel novelty. So, uh, because based on that information, the FFG, is uh, checking and yeah, analyzing your request and, and improving it. So once you fail with that, you probably will not get the funding that you might be able to get if it's correctly prepared. So that's and one of the... Actually, speaking about research work, I think last year was quite interesting to hear at this event um, that... It's not just what we usually think about lab-based work or experimentation in terms of physics and all that, but there are also software research work that actually falls into this category. Is that correct? Yes, there is, a, there is no, no such limitation. It's, it's, the important thing is that you have to prove the, the novelty of that, that research work and you have to, yeah, describe the, 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 the main the main characters and the scientific work. Uh, Oliver, is, is there anything uh, that you want to add to that question? 
I think it's uh, more hard to prove the novelty um, with, um, uh, in contrast to the uh, like the standard which is uh, um, prevailing or on the on the market. Um, in, in, in contrast to life science uh, research uh, and development, I think it's it would be easier to to um, to show the novelty, yeah. Um, uh, than uh, for a software company, yeah, uh, because it it have to be really new, like a new AI, um, a new processes, a new software. It it, it cannot be um, standard software, yeah, which is only customized, for instance, yeah. Uh, so it it's 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 a little bit harder uh, to prove the 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 novelty for the R&D premium. Let's let's test my rule of thumb. So this is what I used in the last 15 years. And uh, let's see if it's still correct. Uh, I always advised uh, talk to a patent attorney and talk to tax consultant. So if uh, anything you can patent, you can put in a patent, has a high chance to succeed also for the research premium. Uh, is that still a correct statement or are there uh, different assessments? I would agree with that. It's a good indication, yeah, and and also when you get uh, or, um, um, you were granted uh, already uh, innovation grants of the FFG uh, or the RVS, uh, it could be uh, a proof or a, a high indication that uh, you also uh, also the R and D premium is applicable, yeah? yeah. And one important thing is that um, it's also here essential that you understand your business model mm. because um, if you're only doing R&D work there is a huge possibility that uh, a large portion of your expenses are eligible and and that's one of the crucial points that we identified during our consultancy work tax consultancy work that it's sometimes not quite clear what you have to exclude and what you can include in the mm -hmm. eligible costs. So mm -hmm. that is, from my point of view, very, very important to really have a good overview and understanding of what you're doing. And that has also to be accompanied by a good documentation. Why you think that this is R&D work and that's essential because um, That is a huge trigger of how much R&D premium you can apply for. I mean, documentation is key to success. I would like to go back a little bit to software and then to the life science industry. It sounds to me, Astrid, like uh, it makes sense to reach out to people like Professor Wurzer uh, to get an understanding uh, what research in the digital space is and what can be patented because with uh, statements from, from him, probably it increases the probability of getting also for software company to research premiums. How do you see it? Yeah, so, so I, I assume so that, yeah, and as we said, if, you know, one of the criteria is also that novelty is understood mm -hmm. in the way that uh, novelty is also in the patent language, then it totally makes sense that maybe one would also have sort of an, um, uh, an underwriting or sort of an assessment by an independent third party who says like, yes, okay, this is really novel and inventive and uh, whatnot to maybe help with that. So is it actually also KPMG that offers these kind of services to help to put together sort of 
the tax or uh, uh, the tax to uh, apply to this FFG grant, or is it something that uh, other companies would rather provide? Because I know that there are a lot of like um, companies out there consulting, actually acquiring grants and helping to write grants and all that. Yeah. Uh, we do that on a regular basis. Uh, for instance, we also like issued an, an, an uh, article in the startup report uh, 2019 of Florian Kandra. Uh, it was called Research Premium and its role in fundraising. I could also send you the link, Christian, then afterwards. Uh, there we, we um, also provide the insights what we do in a on a regular basis. We also um, assist companies throughout the application, yeah, um, especially uh, for setting up this um, project description, uh, especially with uh, regard to the um, five passwords, uh, which are included in the um, OECD Frascati manual. Yeah, um, you mentioned, uh, for instance, the novelty, but especially, and that would like I would like to point it out as well. There are um, four other criteria. Um, uh, especially the uncertainty is also very important so that you also um, show that there were challenges and obstacles you have to overcome uh, throughout the process, uh, throughout the R&D. So that would be, for instance, also like a <clears throat> criterion uh, mm -hmm. for uh, R&D. Yeah? When you have no obstacles and no challenges, then it would be maybe nothing new. Yeah? And, and it's already there. Uh, for instance, uh, that, that, that would, I would like to point out. And we have also like, uh, we can also uh, assist um, uh, to, to um, yeah, uh, to get some safeguards. For instance, uh, we can uh, audit the uh, tech at uh, the ass assessment base uh, of the R and D premium. Uh, Michael is uh, an expert in that field, uh, but we can also like um, apply for a ruling before you start your R and D processes. Yeah, um, to the uh, FFG and the, to the tax office, so you can beforehand ask these uh, funding agencies if your uh, project in the future uh, would be eligible for the R&D premium when the R&D premium is like a funding instrument you have to have uh, to start the project. Yeah, So you get beforehand, before you start the um, very uh, cost-intensive in, uh, uh, process of R&D, uh, if you are eligible for the uh, R&D premium or not. Yeah, That's maybe also very interesting to know. Um, and last but not least, we do also like um, R&D premium checks. Uh, so we, we could check uh, the business model or the project projects uh, if they are eligible for the R&D premium. Uh, and we can also check the, the assessment base, especially if the, the costs you would include uh, are um, applicable for the R&D premium or not, because it could be a problem afterwards, um, after the application and when the R&D premium is paid out, um, in a few years, maybe the tax audit um, will review the uh, R&D premium in detail, especially the um, 
the assessment base, and then you have maybe to pay it back. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah? So we have a tool set uh, of safeguards and measures which we could provide um, uh, to the client, as well as we uh, have like um, a very broad knowledge uh, to also. Um, uh, prepare the uh, project description uh, for the application at the FFG. Yeah, um, and we do it also for other fundings. Yeah, uh, on a national uh, level uh, and also on a EU, a EU level. Uh, maybe you can combine it with the with the premium and now with the COVID nineteen investment premium. Yeah, so we would uh, make a workshop to maybe also f not focus only on the R&D premium, uh, but on the whole funding strategy strategy of the company. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that would be our, our approach. Yeah? And yeah, please refer to our um, uh, article. There is everything at a glance yeah? uh, to, to, to read it, uh, what, what, what you could offer here. Uh, Michael Petritz and Michael Kevan and, and, and and me and our teams yeah i can uh, put the link in the description of the article and we can also send it via the newsletter system if you uh, send me the article so we can mm -hmm. repurpose it if it if it and, helps and it's also in english language yeah i think it's, it's, it's that's, that's very beneficial matching, yeah one, one remark to the safeguards um, if you're an r d company with uh, mainly expenses then tax authorities are checking your r d premium that's that's for sure because that's the the only income from Texas source that you you receive and um, they just want to understand if that application of the R&D premium was correctly done and if the eligible costs are really eligible according to to the regulations and directives existing or not so I think you can be quite quite um, certain about the fact that they will audit that. And it's the I've, same. It's the same for the the, the COVID nineteen grants that you get. Mm -hmm. I uh, think this is a very important point to to mention that uh, the advice from a tax consultant and uh, the uh, the assessment from the FFG is not final. Uh, mm -hmm. So the entrepreneur cannot say after these two assessment and checkpoints, yeah, I can throw in all expenses now and uh, get my research premium. Uh, the entrepreneurs should expect that there is a real audit coming after a few mm -hmm. years and they are really digging deep. So should be aware of that. Talking about the, the basis for calculation. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you, Michael. No, I just wanted to add that the FFG appraisal report ju just documents that you mm -hmm. are conducted based on your documentation that you filled into that formula that your um, R&D work fulfills the requirements of, mm. of the directives and regulations or is in line with. Mm. doesn't say anything about the, mm. the eligible costs mm. that is checked afterwards. So, talking, talking about eligible costs, I mean, there is, uh, uh, once I heard that uh, it was a, year, a few years ago, a tax consultant told me you can only add 100,000 euros to the eligible cost. Uh, in life science companies, there is always the question, what should we do with research that is not conducted in Austria? I think, for example, uh, vaccine development uh, or drug development. Uh, many animal trials we, we simply cannot do in Austria because there is no 
uh, organization commercially available for research companies. So very often when I was an executive in life science companies, I had to engage um, French companies or German companies to conduct the, research, uh, the, the animal trials. Can you also add these expenses that not occur in Austria into the research premium? The, the very famous answer is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I want a clear, I want, I want a clear, easy to understand, simplified answer. It it it, 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 it depends upon the the contract structure, the the, the tasks that mm -hmm. um, you're subcontracting. Who is really doing the R and D work? Mm -hmm. Is it still you doing it in Austria, but you're mm -hmm. just subcontracting the the um, let's call it the the testing process? Mm -hmm. And they are not doing the R&D work as described in the rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. Then it's more likely that it's still in Austria. Mm -hmm. If it's done by the subcontractor, then you maybe have the situation that you have a subcontracting and, and then you can apply for that um, second stream of, mm -hmm. of uh, research premium for subcontracting work which is uh, limited to 1 million. Mm -hmm. But it always depends. And that is one of the interesting things that uh, when we are asked to analyze the R&D eligible costs, the R&D premium eligible costs and, and how the calculation is set up, then we take a deep dive into the contracts mm -hmm. to understand who is responsible for what. Mm -hmm. And is there a, a clear line of who is doing the R&D work and who is responsible for the IT work, who is making the test protocols and so on. And, and that's, that's, um, that refers also to the, to the documentation. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to have a good documentation and yeah. So, so let, let me try to simplify it, uh, for my understanding. So for example, if an investor takes 5 million euros, puts it in a corporate shell in Austria and all work is contracted with uh, corporations outside Austria uh, and the shell here in Austria has no employees. Uh, most likely there is no real research going on. Whereas in a company like, um, let's say Intercell, for example, with uh, 60, 70, 80, hundreds of employees here in Austria who are conducting research on a daily basis, uh, who bring in the brain power, who structure the protocols, who bring the whole development plan together, who also are responsible for failures, uh, who engage uh, an external organization in Germany, France, United Kingdom or Sweden to only execute on single parts of the work. It has a high chance. Uh, some, yeah. This yeah. is a correct understanding. Yep. So, but but the truth always is in the middle, I guess. So it is really necessary to to reach out to. to it's 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 uh, it's it's always important to to read the contracts, also the CRO setup. Who is doing what? Is the CRO also doing an essential part of the R and D work? And once you can exclude that, and you can document that. It should be a reasonable documentation <laughs> that it's that it's really done in Austria. Then it's okay. Mm -hmm. You also have to um, not forget that not um, all the companies, subcontracting companies, are eligible. 
So only those who are in, in the European Union mm -hmm. or the EEA, I think the, was it, um, the EBA in German. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're subcontracting to the USA, it's um, not possible to, to include that in the eligible cost. What about the, the United Kingdom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is, there is this little thing called Brexit. So. Little thing called Brexit, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I can't hear it anymore. <laughs> mm. I'm half British, true. so... <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> um, Oliver, can you answer that question? I, I, I don't dare to answer the question now. I'm, I'm not ah, sure. I think that, that's so complex. Yeah? Mm. And I think in... in, in, in um, Certain areas um, and certain fields, I think they are not uh, yeah, um, final answers possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but maybe one point or one one uh, um, pitfall um, with regard to the um, uh, Auftrags Forschung uh, contract, yeah, contract research premium. Um, the uh, contractor has to uh, inform the uh, subcontractor. Uh, until the end of the year, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, in which the R and D, uh, the contractual work is provided, that he will or the contractor will uh, apply uh, for the R and D premium. Yeah, so this written message or written um, information have to be also um, put into the documentation. Yeah, for further tax audits. Yeah, because you have to uh, do it until the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, we have to have proof for that. Yeah, I think uh, often, um, especially startups, SMEs, they um, forget about that. Yeah, and then you have to say, okay, maybe we have like an uh, no written uh, agreement, but we talked about that, and now we have a written agreement, and we refer to it uh, afterwards. So that is like an uh requirement uh, you have to uh, met when you apply for the mm -hmm. uh, for these kind of research premium that, that you have the written confirmation on hand yeah that's a good thing i mean you mentioned i think a keyword uh end and uh all these deadlines that we have to that we have to face right now we are in 2021 it's january um companies start to draw up their annual statements for 2020. Are there any immediate deadlines that we should be aware of when it comes to grants and the year-end closing process? But what, what's going on right now? What's happening from the government side? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think when you're asking for immediate deadlines, then one deadline that comes immediately into my Mind is, is the investment premium mm -hmm. because the deadline for applying for it is the 28th of February. So if you want to apply for that, you have to hurry up and you have to also set up some initial activities which are described in the directive, what you have to do in order to be able to apply for that. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, very important. Maybe like some hidden uh, marketing uh, from from my side because um, I held uh, lots of uh, webinars uh, with that regard. Also, uh, where I get 
more into detail uh, in the investment premium, mm-hmm. uh, you can write me or send me a message uh, via LinkedIn or via my profile at KPMG, and I can send you maybe uh, also the audience uh, or interested persons uh, the uh, link to the to the webinars and and uh, also more information. And for all we we discussed uh, um, here in the podcast, we 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 would be glad to also offer some uh, initial meetings free of charge. Yeah. Um, to discuss maybe the next steps, especially uh, now with the uh, mentioned investment premium, for instance. Yeah, we have also uh, Excel tools where you can, um, um, for free, where you can also calculate automatically the investment premium, the fixed cost and tools, et cetera, et cetera, yeah? which we can provide. Yeah. If you if you send me the links for the webinars, we can do a double strategy so people can reach out to you. And they can also uh, get the links from the description of the podcast and the newsletter I send out. So I think it's uh, another hook point. Yeah, because we have also a link for um, uh, all the uh, COVID-19 information and presentation of of, of Mm -hmm. all the uh, COVID-19 grants worldwide. That's good. uh, in relation to to Austria, which is um, updated on a regular basis, yeah, I can send you the link. It's in English language, yeah. This would be very great. I think uh, people, will, it's very helpful. Are there any other deadlines that uh, we should be aware of? I mean, year in closing, I think uh, the first deadline I have in mind from the past was uh, May thirty, that uh, they should be finished. Then the second deadline, you can extend it to September thirty. Is there any extension uh, to be expected also in this year uh, due to the current lockdowns? Um, can can be expected. It's not uh, announced till now if there is a further extension of these three months that Oliver described mm-hmm. just before. Uh, I think one 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 deadline which is also interesting is the deadline for um, filing over debtness. So, mm-hmm. if your liabilities exceed your assets, um, then you have to analyze if you are, uh, from an insolvency perspective, uh, have, have the situation of over debtness. And mm-hmm. normally, when you identify that, you have 60 days. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that uh, process was exempted during the whole corona crisis now and the deadline was now sh- shifted a little bit forward to to the end of march mm-hmm. so till that you don't have to file insolvency due to over debtness till the end of march 2021 21 21 okay so it's uh, even just for my understanding even if i seen a company a case of over debtness uh which initi- which would be have 60 days to file for insolvency uh i can wait until march and then have the 60 days yeah you don't have to f- file insolvency due to okay. that reason that is no. i think that's that's the, a very recent announcement from mm-hmm. that week i think it was announced in the fifth good to of know. january <laughs> good to know and also this deadline, end of March 2021, is also important for the deferral of tax payments and installments mm-hmm. and also no uh, interest uh, tax underpayments uh, will be charged. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's um, this deadline 
uh, was extended um, several times. And I think maybe it's, it will be extended um, in March as well. But we have to, yeah, to wait for that. Hopefully it's the, 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 the last, lock, last lockdown now. <laughs> yeah, uh, we will see. Yeah, we will any, see, yeah. are, there, are there any deferrals? I mean, uh, I think one claim I read on Facebook yesterday from a politician was, Uh, that the taxes should be lowered to ease the burden on people who are still making a little bit of revenue so that they can reinvest. Uh, are there any tax deferrals possible in 2021? How is the situation? Can we talk a little bit about that? I think this is maybe one of the key points of comp for companies that are still a little bit uh, in, the, in the profitable span. Um, is there anything going on currently or is it uh, end of March and that's it? Uh, Oliver, let's, let's talk a little bit about the tax carry backward. Mm -hmm. Tax loss carry backward. I think that's that's maybe a little bit addressing mm -hmm. that direction. Yeah. Uh, on the on one hand side, there are two instruments uh, already in in, in place. Uh, for instance, the the losses uh, um, um, carried backwards. Yeah, it's something very new for the Austrian tax system. Uh, you can uh, um, carry back the 2020 uh, losses to 2019 or 2018, okay. maybe, yeah. Um, before that, you only uh, were able to uh, uh, bring forward your uh, tax losses. That, that's new. And uh, you have also uh, like now an a new uh, kind of um, depreciation. Yeah, you can now um, make an, a one-time depreciation of uh, uh, up to 30% percent of certain uh, investments. Yeah, mm -hmm. to to lower your uh, assessment base. Yeah, um, uh, so that that um, instrument's already in place. Uh, and yeah, there's already a, a discussion uh, ongoing. Uh, I think uh, also by the Chamber of Commerce initiated uh, that uh, maybe investors could also, private investors could also deduct their investments uh, over a time period of five years. Yeah, For instance, when you invest um, uh, 100,000 euro in a, in a company, you can uh, depreciate it depreciated over five years and it would lower your personal uh, uh, tax as a private mm -hmm. investor. Yeah, I think that was something already uh, included in the uh, positioning paper of the um, government. But yeah, we have to see uh, um, how that turns out. What's um, also on the table like um, several months now uh, is the Uh, startup venture fund because mm -hmm. the uh, COVID startup uh, startup yield fund is already maxed out. That that was a fund with uh, non uh, um, non repayable um, uh, grants, um, only repayable under certain circumstances is maxed out. But now uh, they they establish a. a Uh, uh, COVID startup uh, uh, no, sorry and COVID in uh, startup investment fund where the uh, investments of the investors in the fund um, are guaranteed uh, to a certain degree by the government to okay. uh, um, 
give the investors more incentives to invest in startups. So I think that that will be also uh, introduced uh, hopefully in the first quarter of 2021. Sound, sounds to me from the structure like double equity. So an investor invests in a company and the government uh, also co-invests. Correct. It's, but, but it's on the equity side. It's not on the on the loan side. Did I get the right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's in it's in the on the equity side. Yeah. Um. But um. You you said yeah. Double equity. Double equity with loans is also a very hot topic. Also for startups now. Mm -hmm. uh, I've uh, advised uh, several uh, um, startups now to to get the uh, double equity. Ja, die äh, Überbrückungsfinanzierungsgarantie äh, für KMUs ähm, ähm, auf die auf AWS, ja. But äh, die, 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 die Startup Venture Fund, Fund is on the equity side, ja. Is the double equity, has it changed a little bit? Because I remember it uh, as a tool for companies that already are on the market or very close to the market. So when I look at the startup ecosystem, Many startups are not even close to the customer. Mm. They are working on prototypes. Uh, what's the position of the AWS? Did you perceive any changes in your work? No, no, no. That's it's the same. Like they have mm. to like a um, um, uh, a product, yeah, which was on the, which is on the market. Uh, you have to have like um, uh, at the best uh, first uh, sales uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, and so on, um, because you have to uh, also convince the AWS that. Uh, Uh, your uh, product or your company will be successful and you have to um, also fulfill two milestones uh, to get the two tranches of the double equity yeah the, the loan payments by the bank yeah it could be sales uh, but it could be also um, a decrease of negative EBIT yeah mm -hmm. So it's, this this instrument would be more for companies. You mentioned Bitpanda, for example. They already have a customer base. So if they make a financing round, this would be something for them. It's just a a, a blunt example. So to 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 make it more. I, I was talking about the uh, Überbrückungsfinanzierungsgarantie, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the venture capital fund. I think the uh, I I don't know uh, the the uh, regulations uh, in detail yet. I think they they're working on that uh, mm -hmm. at the moment. Uh, but I think yeah, um, these kind of um, uh, instrument is for scale-ups yeah because mm -hmm. the uh, startup covid startup uh, help fund hills fund um, they were only eligible or applicable for startups which were not older than five years and okay. for instance that would not be the case for bitpanda or Turader and so on uh, and maybe uh, this uh, venture capital fund for startups is now a better option for them uh, if, if they choose to 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 get this kind of Uh, equity yeah, from this uh, startup fund. Uh, start venture, venture and fund. and the startup venture fund basically is uh, filled with tax money, I guess, from the government. And the government goes on the equity side. So for the taxpayer, it means that if a company is successful, uh, there is also return into the fund. So it's it's set up like a like a venture fund. Yeah, it, it's also um, managed by um, uh, venture capital uh, funds, which were already established uh, cool. uh, in the Austrian ecosystem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah. there, is, there are so many questions. Uh, we have uh, 10.39 right now. Uh, what are the last points that we should talk about? I know that you also have other meetings coming up and that you have uh, also other obligations. Uh, did we did we miss anything, Michael and Oliver, that you would like to tell our audience? 
No, I think I think we we addressed all the the most significant and main main points. I, I just want to draw the attention to that Afrag um, Fachinformation when it's about um, considering um, accounting issues for 2020, how to account for receivables related to grants received, how to evaluate that. May I do have to to set up a provision because I may have doubts that um, some of the money received has to be repaid. So um, that is a very good paper. And in case you have questions, you just um, easily can contact me. And um, yeah, I think, Christian, you will provide the, the LinkedIn data. Definitely. How to access our profiles. Everything that um, is related to audits, to accounting issues, you can easily address any question to me and also if it's about the research premium i think we have a lot of experience in that in that area especially also the, in the life science industry so we can share our experience and we are happy to share that yeah and from my side yeah uh, if you have like uh, questions uh, with regard to funding uh, especially covid-19 funding um, as well as like uh, uh digital transform your uh, tax compliance yeah um yeah i'm i'm happy to assist yeah um uh, please uh, write me via uh linkedin or my profile and yeah i um, um i would um, suggest that you um take um immediate steps to uh evaluate uh if some covid-19 Uh, funds are applicable or not because there are like tight deadlines and uh, limited funds um, you have to take into account so um, i would happy to assist you to make a high level anal analysis uh, in a um, uh, initial meeting free of charge mm. and please don't forget that the application for the investment <laughs> premium ends end of february 2021 mm -hmm. so it's pretty soon and um, so if there are any questions, please just ask Oliver or me, and we are happy to help. Astrid, any final okay, words? Astrid, any final words from your end? <laughs> no, I think I've learned a lot today, and I hope also our listeners that um, it's well worth to really talk to a tax advisor and optimize. Uh, on that front because there seem to be so many schemes going around and very different deadlines and it's really totally worth uh, you know booking a session with Michael and Oliver and his colleagues so uh, it's great having you in the show thank you very much for that I completely agree to you Astrid uh, when in doubt always reach out as an entrepreneur to the right experts ask questions and with Oliver and Michael I think you we have two of the best tax experts in Austria in our network. Have a great day and goodbye. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day.